and uh, covered a lot of material so far. Glad you came out tonight. It's been weather's been kind of weird, kind of snowy, kind of rainy, kind of sunny. It was actually absolutely beautiful this morning. <laughs> I thought, oh, spring has re returned, <laughs> but it hasn't. Appreciate you all singing, and uh, I've said this before. I really appreciate the spirit that we have here. <laughs> Amen. It's not stuffy. <laughs> just you know, it's not a liberal spirit. It's not a compromise. You just, you just, I guess, just you get to be you. <laughs> Amen. I'll say this: just don't leave the way you came. Amen. Let the book change you. And uh, glad if you're visiting with us tonight, glad you came. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, let's pick it up here, uh, verse 8. Uh, some heavy stuff we've been trodden through, uh, but uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and as they say, it's not a train. All right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you, Lord, for the King James Bible. Thank you, Lord, for a perfect Bible. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the truth. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to uh, go see somebody to see what it means. But Father, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us. Uh, Father, I pray one more time you'd open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things on thy law, as David prayed. And Father, I pray that you bless everyone for being here tonight and give them a song in their heart. And Lord, I pray that you show us something, not only uh, so we could learn more about you, but Father, show us something that we could change and be more like you. And Father, draw us closer in fellowship to thee. Prepare us, Lord, for the judgment seat of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, in verse 9, you see that phrase, even him. You see that in verse 9? And that refers back to the son of perdition. So these people, they get deceived here. And you want to notice uh, in verse 9 what they're deceived by. They're deceived by power and signs and lying wonders. Now, you know this to be uh, true practically. Practically, uh, just at the workplace, you give some people power, and it just goes right to their head. <laughs> Amen. It's, uh, some people shouldn't be in control of their own uh, self and farm equipment, I guess, at the end of the day is what they say. But what uh, the, the people in the tribulation, they're deceived by, they're deceived by power, and signs and lying wonders. I want to show you this. Look at Matthew chapter 10. I want you to see that the Antichrist comes in the same way that Jesus Christ comes in. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, comes in in Matthew chapter 10 with his uh, disciples and with signs and wonders and miracles. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse, uh, oh, let's start right here at 1. Uh, verse 1, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, there's the power, you see it, against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal, there's the miracles, all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease. Uh, now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose name was, uh, surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, ain't that something, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. What about that? Raise the dead. That's the, that's the ministry of the, the disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ, including Judas Iscariot, the one who was a devil. <laughs> uh, I want you to see that. And, uh, and uh, that's what you need to understand is Judas Iscariot, who is one of the twelve, who was a devil, according to John chapter 6, verse 7, he had all the signs of an apostle. He healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he raised the dead. He cast out devils, and yet he was a devil. And uh, we mentioned this last week, but uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22, I didn't write that on the board there, but that says, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, so the signs go where? Signs go to the Jews, you know this. It's a good review. 
You need to remember that. You don't need a sign. You don't require a sign. The Bible says you seek after wisdom. That's why among the Gentiles, it's doctor this and doctor that, and everyone's a doctor and everyone's a smarty pants. And pe Gentiles are in love with what? Education. Okay. <laughs> they are. I mean, do you think anyone would listen to Phil if he wasn't a doctor? <laughs> I buy my books and listen to my tapes and buy my books, but I'm not a doctor. No, you, you listen to him because it's Dr. Phil. Uh, unless you're Orpa, Orpa, or Oprah, Oprah, and then you just—I don't know—you just listen to her because if I say you'll, get, I'll get in trouble, so I won't say it. Amen. All right. Bible says in First Corinthians chapter fourteen twenty-two. Now that's the society you live in. Uh, this society, Gentiles seek after wisdom, and uh, Gentiles are in love with, and Gentiles covet education. And there's nothing wrong with getting educated about something that you're going to use. But if you're into education for the wrong reason, it'll hook you, and it's the wrong reason to be in it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, amen, that's the truth, whether anyone believes it or not. Uh, education, uh, there's three major gods of the Gentile. One is money. Uh, the second one is sex, and the third one is education. The Gentiles worship that stuff. And the Bible says the Gentiles seek after wisdom. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.22. 14.22, the Bible says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. All right? So you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.22, 1 Corinthians 14.22, that the signs are for that Jew. And you can expect that Jew to want a sign because entire nations started on a sign in Exodus chapter 3. And go over to Matthew chapter 14 real quick. Matthew 14. I want you to see what's going to happen in the last days. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 24. I might have misspoke already. Matthew 24. And you get some things about the power here. 24, 24. <clears throat> 24, 24, the Bible says, For there shall also arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So you got an interesting thing, a very uh, wild thing going on in the tribulation period, which I understand we're not here, but we're looking at it, and you need to know it. All right, you got an amazing thing going on. The signs and wonders are so great by these false Christs that... Uh, that uh, and they look so much like Jesus Christ has showed up that if the Lord didn't cut the time short, the very elect would be deceived. And we say the word elect in the tribulation context, that has to do with the 144,000 male virgin Jews who are preaching the kingdom of heaven. And so that's what we're talking about. But if they didn't have a Bible, they didn't know what was going on, and the ability to discern uh, who that was, it says that uh, uh, they'd, even, they'd be deceived even themselves. Look at the Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13. Now here's another wild thing that's going on during the tribulation period. And I'm thankful that I'm not going to be here for the tribulation. Amen. I go to bed every night thankful that I'm not going through the tribulation. And all it takes is just, uh, just take one passage of scripture out of context. You get your Bible wrong and you'll start trying to take the church through the tribulation. And every time something bad happens in America, you get all these plethora of smarty pants or doctors or self-proclaimed or self-exalted fools with YouTube channels, and they're like, we're in the tribulation, and you can tell, no, you're not in the tribulation at all, and you're not going to go through the tribulation. Look at Revelation 13, 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth inside of men. That's a pretty good imitation, like we said last week, of the ministry of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. Now, something I think you should know, uh, seven times in the Bible, seven times in the Scriptures, what you find is fire falling from heaven, and what that does is it reveals God's presence and acceptance of the sacrifice. Did you catch that? I know there's about two or three other times that thing falls, but that's not in the context, but there's seven times in the Scripture where fire falls in the Bible, and it's, it's uh, showing God's presence, and it's showing God's acceptance of that sacrifice. Uh, the first one you got over there in Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 3 to 4, and that has to do with Abel, Abel's sacrifice. The Bible said God had respect unto it, and no doubt that had to do with fire falling down from heaven and accepting it. 
And uh, if it didn't have something to do with it, why in the world would Cain be mad? Right? <laughs> and then the next one you got, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 17, talking about that smoking furnace, that has to do with Abraham. That's the second time that thing shows up. And then you get over to Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 24, and that has to do with the priest that's offering the sacrifice there, and fire is falling down from heaven. Uh, the, the fourth time you got that thing showing up is Judges chapter 6, verse 21. Judges chapter 6, verse 21, that's dealing with Gideon. With Gideon, the Lord told uh, Gideon to build that altar. Uh, he, tore, he tears down the altar of Baal, and he builds the altar of the Lord, and the Lord visits that thing, and burns it up. And then you've got Judges 13, Judges 13, verse 19, 19 to 21, and that's dealing with Manoah, the parents of Samson, the great judge of the Israelites. And that's another time where uh, that fire shows up and uh, it uh, recognizes God's presence and acceptance of the sacrifice. Of course, you've got 1 Kings chapter 18, that's the great showdown at the OK Corral there, and that's Elijah and on Mount Carmel there. And then finally, the more widely known one, is Second Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, verse 1, you've got Solomon. He offers that thing, and the Lord sends down fire from heaven and accepts a sacrifice. But over there in Revelation chapter 13, you've got, uh, you've got false prophets. You've got false Christs calling down fire from heaven. Let me tell you what, you're going to believe a lie if you're stuck here. Someone can call down fire from heaven. It'll change your theology in a heartbeat. Uh, look at verse 14, Revelation 13, 14. Um, it says, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. Why, sure. You can tell me someone's going to call down fire from heaven. You're not going to pay special attention to them. I, I mean, I know Photoshop, but without Photoshop, someone calling down fire from That's crazy stuff, ain't it? That's wild. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means, how? of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So he's got a lot of power. And uh, he had power to give life unto the beast. And what, what we're talking about here is what you need to realize is that the modern-day charismatic, modern-day Pentecostal movement, what they are is they're the John the Baptist of the Antichrist. That means they're heralding, uh, they're heralding in the Antichrist with signs uh, wonders and miracles. Now look over to Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 18. Now I start talking about these things, and some people get offended, and a lot of Christians are thin-skinned, and I don't think you're in here thin-skinned, but understand, if you start talking about these things, uh, people out in this world, they're going to get upset at you. But I'd rather know the truth and uh, from time to time, run the risk of offending people, not on purpose. But look at this thing. Uh, Paul says in Romans 15, 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Verse 19, he says, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that I from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So you see that those, uh, these things have apostolic signs. Come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The Antichrist has signs. He's got power. He's uh, lying wonders and signs. Now come back to 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15. This is the modern church today. And I'm sure you know this, but the modern church can't stand to be called a liar about these things. And there's only one term you can put on them. They're liars. That's what the Bible says about it. But at any rate, uh, no doubt this thing is going to come up and deceive many. Look at uh, verse 13, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. The Bible says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So Satan likes to use things that look right, doesn't he? Satan likes to use things that look like God's behind it. Why not? And the Bible says you're supposed to try the spirits. That's 1 John 4, 1. 
someone comes to you saying they got power to do this and power to do that, you try them out. That's First John 4, 1 and Revelation 2, 2. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Now listen, the modern church, I, when I'm talking about the modern church, I'm talking about the modern-day charismatic church, and what they are is they're just liars. Now look, this generation, if you're honest with yourself, not politically correct, if you're honest with yourself right now for 30 seconds, this generation has stopped calling a spade a spade. And you and I are not any better because we're politically correct. I'm not talking about being perverse. I'm not talking about being rude. And I'm talk- When you stop calling a spade, when you stop telling the truth and cover it up with these new terminologies, you're not helping yourself out. But when you call a charismatic a liar because the Bible said so, what they'll do is they'll turn around and tell you that you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But what they are is they're biblically stupid. You can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit in this age. Only time you could ever blaspheme the Holy Spirit was when Jesus Christ was on the earth. But there's no charismatic around that even knows their Bible well enough to contend with you in a conversation about that. In this, uh, this modern-day charismatic age, they're so ignorant of the Bible, caught up in their feelings, caught up in their emotions, that they become filled with an unholy spirit. And unholy spirit and biblical ignorance, he didn't even know what it is. Listen, the only thing you and I can do in this age right now is reject Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There's no, none of that stuff. And where this terminates is, is the Antichrist kingdom is all about three things, great signs, wonders, and miracles, and it's all a lie. It's all a lie. And what you need to realize until we get caught up and raptured out of here, amen, this charismatic Pentecostal emphasis on signs, miracle, and lying signs, you ready for it? It just increases. It just gets worse. Look at Revelation 2.2. 2. Look what the Lord says about it. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them, you see that? Tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. That's what they are. They're liars. And you get into the tribulation period, and a strange thing will take place. You'll have, you'll have false apostles. They're able to call down fire from heaven, but they can't even give you the peace assurance that you're going to go to heaven when you die. <laughs> But thank God, you and I are not going to be here for that. Amen? Now look over to Mark 16. I'm going to put one on you uh, that you can put on them right now. Mark 16. It's modern-day charismatic church. They're full of the devil. They're a bunch of liars. And yes, I know, some of your family members are hooked up into it, and I'm really sorry about it. But uh, the people, for the most part, they're in there. They're, they're willingly deceived is what they are. Mark 16, 18. You put this on them. Mark 16, 18, all these people saying signs, wonders, and miracles, baloney. Bible says in verse 18, they shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Uh, they had this, this program on TV a while back. I don't think it's on anymore. These mountain snake handlers, right? You know, and this one guy doing, bring home the snakes, and all, you know, all that stuff. Sucker bit him right in the cheek, and he died. Why? He refused to go to the hospital. Well, there you go. You must, you're a liar. You're not an apostle. Because that, that thing says you'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. <laughs> you died. Liar. Isn't that sad? There's some, some, some woman without a husband. Why? Liar. Some son, some daughter without a, a daddy. Why? Liar. You see that? And it says uh, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they what? shall recover. Now, if you're an apostle, doesn't it say shall recover? Why wouldn't a true apostle spend all day long in the children's hospital? From the time they could get in to the time they kick them out, healing them. Don't you tell me you're an apostle, you big fat liar. You're not. You're just a fake. And you know what they'll say? You know what they'll put on you? Well, you know, they, uh, they didn't have the faith to believe. It's nowhere in the passage. In that passage right there, Mark 16, 18, you call them out on it. There's no misfire. There's no short fuses. There's no duds. There's no bad rounds. It's 100%. If you're truly an apostle, the miracle takes place. But like I said, with that crowd, uh, that's what they say. They say, well, you know, you didn't have the faith or, you know, they didn't believe enough. And, uh, and what a charismatic has to do is they have to add to the scriptures and then lie about it all the way through. 
But uh, enough of that. The ministry of the last days is going to be the ministry of miracles. That's why you see this thing amping up. And that's why you see this thing getting greater and greater. And that's why you see every church, listen now, that's why you see every church slowly moving away from doctrine. Take your Bible, go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah, I'm going to show you this from the Bible. I know a lot of you know where I'm going. But every church around here is moving away from doctrine. No doctrine. Why? Because once you get rid of the doctrine, you can go into this big mirage, this hodgepodge, this bunch of junk where everyone starts going by their feelings and it turns into a charismatic experience. And I'm going to show you why. It has to go that way. Now listen, uh, 50, 60 years ago, you could have probably grabbed a few Baptists off the street and they could have given you the, the doctrine of justification. They could have told you about some doctrines of salvation. You could have got a few Methodists probably 70 years ago to give you some doctrines of eschatology. That's dealing with the last time. But you grab any 100 Baptists today off the street, they don't know nothing about doctrine. You say, well, why are you so mean? Why? Because I point out the facts? If, the doc if you went to the doctor's office because you were having some pain in some you know, location we won't disclose, and he gets in there and tells you you got cancer, would you get mad at him for hurting your feelings? Or would you rather go ahead and schedule an appointment to get the thing fixed? And wouldn't you thank him? Or wouldn't you have a tear in your eye and say, Doc, I, well, I'm sure glad you caught it early. And he's like, yeah, it's only a stage one. I'm glad you got in here because if you'd have waited longer, it'd have been a stage four and you'd been dead. Isn't that funny? A preacher stand up from the pulpit and tell you what's wrong. People get mad. Oh, he's just so unkind. He will shut up. <laughs> But with that crowd, the, uh, uh, Zephaniah 3, I'm going to show you why that has to happen. Zephaniah 3, 8. And this, this country has lost their ability to see any kind of biblical truth whatsoever. And uh, as the old, old preacher gone on to glory in 2016, he said, America is the Pollyanna people. And the Pollyanna people says, tell me something positive or don't tell me anything at all. Zephaniah 3, look at verse 8. Here's God's determination. This is why everything has to go, uh, doctrine has to go out the window. He says, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. You say, what's that? Doctrine goes out the window. All religions become one mushy mess. No one believes anything, but everyone gets together with a praise and worship band and get this nice little serpent feeling going through it, and everyone's swaying with the music, and everyone's just in tune with their inner self, and everyone's hooked on their feelings, and guess what? God uses that thing to gather everyone together, and finally he burns them all up. That's God's way of doing it. All right? <clears throat> but the ministry of the last days is going to be the ministry of miracles. You say, why? That's what everybody's looking for. Everyone would rather win the lottery than they would get up and go to work. <laughs> you know what? Everyone wants to walk by sight, not walk by faith. Uh, now, I believe the Bible 100%, but if you think walking by faith is easy, you're crazy. It's easier, listen now, to get up in the morning with the knowledge that you have enough money in the bank account to pay all your bills, and with everything going fine and everyone's healthy, than it is to get up and say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. And everybody these days, you know what they want to do? They want to walk by sight. So the closer you and I get to going home, you know what happens? People go more by sight, especially Christians. And that's the, that's the ministry of the Antichrist. They walk by sight, and they want to brag about their experiences, right? They want to brag about their achievements. They want to brag about how much recognition they got. They want to be pumped up for their what? Their gifts, isn't it interesting that there's an accent more in the modern charismatic church, in the modern church of today, how gifted I am and what gift do you have and I have the ministry. What's your ministry and rather than them producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And so people brag about what their gift is rather than uh, the fruit of the Spirit, producing fruit. And then they walk by sight, not by faith. And you know what happens? Well, you're headed for trouble. And that's exactly what the devil wants him to do. So the Antichrist, he comes the same way Jesus Christ did in Matthew chapter 10 with power, signs, and lying wonders. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, with wonders, but the difference is 2 Thessalonians 2.9. This is where we left off. 
The difference is the Antichrist wonders are lion wonders. See, that's the difference. And uh, he's a deceiver. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Why? Because they received not the love of the truth. They didn't love Jesus Christ. and They didn't receive Jesus Christ. That they might be saved. So despite whatever you know, the author is and puts out the movies, they don't get a second chance after the rapture. Are you listening? I hope and pray everyone's saved here tonight. But listen, you miss the rapture. You don't get a second chance. You're done. Why? You had the truth. You didn't receive it. I mean, if the Lord blows that horn right now before we're done, pray he does. Amen? He said, don't you want to finish? No, I want to go home. Really? Well, that ain't very... Hey, help yourself. I want to go home to heaven. But I'll tell you what, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he gets on the trumpet and blows that thing and we're out of here, and you haven't been saved, you're done. There ain't no second chance. I know that's sobering. But they don't get a second chance after the rapture. Once you've heard the gospel and you had an opportunity to love the truth, you know what happens? Uh, they turn down the marriage proposal. You know how many years the Lord Jesus Christ has been down on one knee saying, will you, will you take me? Will you take me? Will you take me? And, and people just by the dozens and thousands, nope, don't want you. I'd rather fornicate with this world instead of have one husband. So instead of getting the truth during the tribulation, and that's where we're at in the passage of Scripture, so instead of getting the truth, you know what they get? They get a lie. I'd like to tell you that what we're covering here is all positive and sweet and warm, but it's just not. I said that with a smile to help put a smile on your face. Amen. <laughs> this is what you call negative truth. You like negative truth? It's still, it's still the Bible. It's just as much a Bible as for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but everlasting life. You know what Gideon's strength was? If you go back to Judges 6, you don't have to go there. But you know what the Lord said Gideon's strength was? Gideon knew that he was in a mess. He says, oh, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> He's like, man, if that, that's such a great thing. He says, why are we a mess? We're, we're pursuing idols and we've forsaken the Lord God. And the Lord says, go in this thy strength. Your strength is the fact that you know that you're in a mess. And uh, so instead of getting the truth and the tribulation, they get a lie. They get a lying spirit. We're going to start building on this thing for a few minutes here. And why are they deceived? They're deceived because they did wrong. You see, the ability to deceive people comes from unrighteousness. And in verse 10, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, of course, the context is the tribulation. But you and I can make some practical application for what's going on now. They didn't receive the love of the truth, and you see why. Look at verse 12. Down to verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the reason they didn't receive the truth is because they would rather have pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, the truth, that's uh, what's the truth? Well, that's simple, right? Uh, what's John 17, 17 say? John 17, 17 says, uh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Pretty simple, isn't it? He says, thy word is truth. Well, how about Psalm 138, verse 2? These two verses alone, you can figure out what the Bible clearly says what the truth is. This one's out on our sign out there. I call it our temporary sign, but it might be more like a 10-year sign than anything else. Amen? Our temp sign. Still looking pretty good, brother. You say, what do you do? It starts fading. Order a couple more banners and... And Brother Cole, tack them back up there. Amen. <clears throat> All right, Psalm 138.2. The Bible says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy what? Thy truth. And then he says what? He says, I will. He says, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Above all thy name. You see what that, that Bible told you? That Bible clearly told you that the truth is the word. And that word's in your lap. And you got a copy of it. <clears throat> and you ought to reverence his word. Amen. 
And you ought to hold his word up. You ought not to be afraid of that Bible. Uh, one preacher said, you make a big deal of this book, the book, will, book, book, the book will make a big deal out of you. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 16 is another great verse on this. Paul begins that thing out in Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, holding forth the word of life. Holding forth. Y'all hold it up. That's a great verse. Holding forth the word of life. You ought to lift it up. You ought to raise it up. You ought to make it first priority in your life. But back in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, the thing is, is they were sent a lie. And can I tell you, Christian, that even happens, we'll apply it to today, even though it's about the tribulation. That's what happens to a lot of people. They decide they don't want the truth, and you know what the Lord does? He gives them the desires of your heart. Look at Psalm 81. You realize that the Lord is not a Calvinist. The Lord will not force you to do anything you don't want to do. Now, he might help make you willing in some cases, but he'll never force you. Look at Psalm 81. Psalm 81. There's a great passage of Scripture to show you how the Lord treats his people. You look at Psalm chapter 81. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Talking about his people. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. That's one of my verses I got in my office. <laughs> You're supposed to chuckle. <laughs> Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Amen. <laughs> but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Isn't that interesting? Would none of me. What did he do? He made them do it, right? Look at verse 12. Nope. He's a perfect gentleman, so I gave them up into their own heart's lusts, and they walked in their own counsels. To me, one of the scariest things that God could ever do to me is just go ahead and let me do what I really want to do. When I pray and I get down on my knees next to my bed, I said, Lord, I need guidance. Please guide me with thine eyes. Please guide me, Isaiah 58, continually. Please guide me every day. Why? I need guidance. Because if the Lord to take his hand, I know he'll never leave me nor forsake, but if he takes his hand off me and he gets frustrated with me, he will let me do what I really want to do. And I'm scared of that. So you should be more of a man. Help yourself. And uh, the fact of the matter is God will not force you to accept anything that you don't want. And matter of fact, God will actually deceive people who don't want the truth. Did you catch that? God will deceive people that don't want the truth. Not just during the tribulation. Can I give you a couple pieces on this? Look at Judges chapter 9. If you don't want the truth, Christian, the Lord will deceive you. He will. That's Bible. Judges chapter 9, verse 23. The more I study this book, the more wary I become of it. Now look at Judges 9, 23. The Bible says, Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. You see those first five words, then God sent an evil spirit? Isn't that wild? Doesn't that just kind of like constipate your theology for a second? It doesn't seem like the God America kind of presents, does it? All right, but what was the truth? The truth was that Abimelech shouldn't have made himself king. Abimelech exalted himself, and the truth was Abimelech should not have killed all of Gideon's sons. Seventy of them slaughtered every stinking one of them. And when Abimelech refused to believe the truth given prior to him by his younger brother Jotham, the Lord sent an evil spirit to deceive Abimelech. And you know what happens with Abimelech? He ends up getting his brains bashed out by a piece of millstone thrown out over the wall by a woman. And because he's such a proud sucker, he says, you better kill me because you better not say a woman killed me. <laughs> Imagine that. God deceived him because he wouldn't believe the truth. And look, if you don't want to believe the truth, the Lord won't make you. Look at 1 Samuel 16. I'll give you another one. If you don't want the truth, God will deceive you. Samuel 16. So, oh no, oh no, you deceive yourself. Not even, you're not even capable of deceiving yourself. The Lord will do it for you. 1 Samuel 16, 14. And look, I know this uh, kind of teaching and preaching is not popular, and I'll tell you why. Remember what we preached on Sunday? I know we preached a practical application in Numbers chapter 15. 
But do you realize that this country does not want to believe in a God that would kill a man for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day? They don't want nothing to do with a God, a God like that. <laughs> Americans don't want to believe uh, negative truths about the book and about the Lord. But uh, that simply goes against America's idea of who God is. And can I just add this, uh, add insult to injury as they say? America has no idea who God is because they threw out the book in 1900 with the production of the ASV. And once they put out that, the Lord's like, if that's what you want, he'll let you go. So now every new perversion of the Bible that comes out, the Lord just lets the people read it, just let them believe it, and he just deceives them. Why? They want it. All right, 1 Samuel 16. Look at verse 14. The Bible says here, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Hang on now. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. All right? So what did Saul do? He refused to believe the truth. What's the truth? Back one chapter, 1 Samuel 15, 28. You know what Samuel told Saul? You're done. The kingdom is going to be rent out of your hands and given it to a neighbor that's better than you. And Saul's like, over my dead body. And the Lord's like, we'll see that eventually. <laughs> and then the Lord deceives him because he doesn't believe and gives him an evil spirit. And that's something. Look at 2 Chronicles 25. I'll give you another one. 2 Chronicles 25, 20. All through the scriptures, when a man doesn't want the truth, the Lord deceives that man. This is the only book capable of doing that. 2 Chronicles chapter 25, look at verse 20. 2 Chronicles 25, 20. All right, <clears throat> 25, 20. Bible says, but Amaziah would not hear, for it came of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. All right, here's the picture. Israel's into idolatry, and they don't want Jehovah God. And so their king wouldn't listen. You see that? And why? The Bible says it came of God. Isn't that about the scariest thing you could possibly imagine? Imagine as a Christian sitting in the church house and a preacher getting up preaching his guts to you and you're just sitting there and the Lord comes down from heavens and sticks his big old fingers in your ear and you don't hear nothing. Why? You reject the truth. So the Lord comes down from heaven and goes, Yay! He sticks his big old fingers in your ears and you won't hear the truth. And here's the thing. When you reject truth, truth stops. You see that? And get, you know what happens when you do that? You'll walk out of this church or any church and you'll say this. You know, uh, I just wasn't getting fed. I wasn't getting fed enough. You know, that preacher, he just ain't cutting it. He just ain't. Why? You know why the preacher ain't cutting it for you? Because the Lord reached down for him and stuck his big old fingers in your ear. You ain't hearing nothing. Why? Truth stopped. You didn't believe it and he cut it off. And the Lord will have been one leading the charge, deceiving you and rooting you up and out. Why? Because you didn't want the truth. Look at Luke 19. I'm going to show you this. Here's a principle. We've been in the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament. Here's a principle. If you don't want it, God takes it from you. And Luke 19, you got the parable of the pounds. Look at verse 20. A lot of Christians say, well, you know, what I don't know won't hurt me. Baloney. Verse 20. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because art an austere man, thou takest up there, layest not down, reapest that thou did not sow. 22. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taken up that I laid not down, or reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then givest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might require my own with usury. 24. And he said to them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. The principle is this. You don't want the truth. Truth stops, and God takes it from you, and you don't get it back. That's the principle. That's a scary principle. All right, one more. Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19. Now, when you reject truth, then the Lord will step in and he'll deceive you. He leads the charge on deception. Isaiah 19, 14. 
Now, I'm sure uh, plenty of you know this, but you ever just stop and think about times you come in to listen to preaching and you just, you're just in rare form? And you wonder why God even still puts up with you and me? When you didn't want to hear something that needed to be said and you went out of here and you thought to yourself, why, well, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. You ever just stop and think maybe the Lord stuck his fingers in your ear? that they're blaming everybody else but the problem. All right, 1914, the Bible says, The Lord uh, hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err, and every work thereof is a drunken man, staggereth in his vomit. The first part of that thing is what you need to get a hold of. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. So if you don't want the truth, as Egypt didn't, understand the second advent connection with that passage there. But if you don't want the truth as Egypt didn't, the Lord not only deceives you, but then the Lord becomes the catalyst and the very reason that you err in everything that you do. And a lot of Christians are like that. They don't want the truth. They don't want the King James Bible. They want an order. They want something pretty. They want something that's well-spoken. They want something polished. They would rather be accepted by mainstream Christian. Look, and you're here tonight, so I'm not preaching against you, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, they'd rather have the big, glamorous buildings. My goodness, this building's so stinking big. I don't know how you can make it any bigger, <laughs> right? But they'd rather be recognized for what? Their education, their achievements, their experience, and their influences. And so what, the, what does the Lord do? He gives them what they want. And their entire life is then spent erring in everything they do, and the Lord is just simply giving exactly what they want, deception. Here it goes. And that total thing brings us back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And that's what's going on in the tribulation. They missed the rapture. They missed, they had a chance to repent. They had a chance to get saved. They had a chance to receive the gospel. They didn't want it because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And now they're damned. 2 Thessalonians 2.11 And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Here's number five right here. See that thing all the way through the scriptures. This isn't germ's uh, little pet doctrine here. This isn't my little, you know, uh, run around Mount Sinai here. There's five different times and there's more. I didn't even hit the one with Micaiah there in uh, uh, 1 Kings, what is it, chapter 15 or something like that. And uh, the Lord puts a lying spirit, an evil spirit to go deceive his own king, King Ahab. And God sends them strong delusion. You've got to realize that. They're not deceived of their own self. And uh, just, what, seven verses prior, Paul's telling them, let no man deceive you by any means. You say, so what do we take away from that, preacher? You better obey the truth while you got it. When you're given truth, no matter what the messenger appears to you, or no matter what you think of the messenger, accept the truth. Believe the truth. Acknowledge the truth. Because when you stop obeying the truth... The truth stops. Was it Psalm 119? I'm going to look at this because this, this thing's fire and I can't remember what it is. Psalm 119, 130. What is that? The entrance, uh, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding of the simple. You see that? When you put the truth away, the light shuts off. But the old timers say this, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. So when you stop obeying the truth, when you stop receiving the truth, the lights go out. And uh, I believe that's probably the most dangerous place that you can get into in your Christian life where you get into a disagreement with God and that thing comes about because of heart trouble. You ever had heart trouble, Christian? I'm not talking about, you know, you need to cut back on uh, the amount of red meat you eat, but you ever have spiritual heart trouble? I sure have. And uh, old Bob Jones Sr. said, if uh, you get God in your heart, he'll fix all the kinks in your head. <laughs> but if you have heart trouble, you're going to eventually have head trouble. You see that? If you have heart trouble and you stop obeying the truth, the Lord will give you head trouble and you won't think right. You'll go nuts. You'll go crazy. You'll, we'll find you off in some left field, you know, with some strange doctrine that nobody else knows about, and nobody else appreciates, you know. Nobody else can understand it but you. It's your little, you know, little, you know, place where you're all alone and you're the big uh, cojona on that thing. 
But uh, if you have heart trouble, eventually go to your head. And uh, we'll look at this and be done. Now look at Ezekiel chapter 14. This whole principle is laid out here in Ezekiel 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. I know this thing's Old Testament, but it's a great place to look and see how the Lord deals with people. The Lord deals with his own people, and it's how the Lord's going to deal with you. Ezekiel chapter 14. And uh, it sure can be used for us today in a spiritual sense. And what you have to understand is if you turn off the light that God gives you, then I can assure you, you don't love the truth and you're going to get deceived. Now, the strangest thing will happen and takes place. It never fails. Someone will get saved and someone will get right with the Lord. And next thing you know, in comes Jehovah Witnesses or in comes the Charismatics or here comes the Pentecostals or here comes the Mormons. Uh, or somebody else, and they have scripture for every single thing they want to tell you about. That's the thing which you got to understand with these groups out here, like the ones I just mentioned and more, is they do sometimes a much better job of studying the Word of God than you and I do. So they'll come to your door, and if you listen to them, and I wouldn't listen to them. I don't even bid them Godspeed, according to 1 John. I just say, there's the driveway. See ya. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> But uh, look at uh, Ezekiel 14. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Verse 3, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of all, of it all, of all at, I'm sorry, should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart. And put at the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away from your, your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me, and setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Notice God's going to give him an answer. And that's exactly what we're talking about in Second Thessalonians 2. Now look at Saint Ezekiel 14, 8. And I will set my face against that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am the Lord." And if the prophet be deceived, and when he hath spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have what? You see it? Deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand upon him, and will destroy him from the midst of my people. And that's the same way that the Bible is. The Bible is the only book that has ever been penned that anticipates the thought of the reader before he thinks it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that is exactly what's taught here in Ezekiel 14, all the way through verse 11. Also the fact that you can be deceived if you don't want the truth. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.25, Paul says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose himself, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That is, if they'll receive the truth. Verse 26, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And the way that they recover themselves out of the snare of the devil is how? By acknowledging or receiving the truth. So you get out here and you start stop receiving the truth. The only way that you can be recovered is you start acknowledging the truth again. And, uh, and then the Bible says God will grant you repentance. And your repentance is based upon whether or not you take instruction. And in these last days, you know what Christians don't want to do? A lot of Christians, not you, you all have the exception of the rule. They don't want to take instruction. They don't want to sit and listen to a preacher just run at the mouth from the scriptures. I have no idea how much scripture we've given out tonight, but I pretty much guarantee it's quite a few. That's a lot of instruction. Maybe too much, right? But the fact of the matter is most Christians don't want to take instruction. You ever been on the job site and you got someone who's been on the job for 20 years, 25 years? You ever try to have a conversation with what they're doing? That's a real treat. Well, you're not, you're not out here, you don't do the job, you know. 
Okay. Some Christians have been a Christian so long, they think they know it better than the Lord does. And the problem of this day is nobody wants to take instruction. And when a Christian refuses to take the instruction, the truth stops. The light shuts off. And that point, God begins to be the one who's deceiving the Christian. And that thing also takes place during the tribulation. God sends them a strong delusion that they believe a lie. Uh, and we'll stop right there. Stop right there in verse 11 and pick this thing back up next time we're together. Be careful about that thing, Christian. I know we're talking about the tribulation. And once uh, the horn blows and we're out of here, those who have not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, there'll be no second chance. And they'll be stuck here. And they'll be, uh, they'll be landlocked. And they'll go from here right to the lake of fire. But Christian, uh, as long as you're alive here, just believe the truth. You know, the, you know, all the Lord wants you to do is just travel in the light that you're given. Travel in the light that you're given. You got light on your pathway today? No, I don't. Okay, well, don't move until God gives you light then. You say, well, it's been a while since the Lord spoke to me. Okay, well, could it be? Could it be that you rejected the truth somewhere? No, I don't believe I'm possible. Okay, all right. <laughs> but could it be possible that maybe the Lord's already told you to do something, you won't do it? And so when you don't do what God instructs you to do, then it goes dark, doesn't it? And you no longer have the clear leadership of the Holy Spirit. I've been going through my Christian life before, and all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, where'd you go? And I know he's right there. But as far as the leadership, the lights are out. So I got to go, and I got to go get on my knees somewhere, or get quiet somewhere, and half time it ain't at the house, amen. Amen, Evans family. And they're never quiet in our house. <laughs> That's where I'll sleep. <laughs> and I can be like, what's my problem, Lord? And it's like the Holy Spirit says, you really want to know? Yeah, I do. It's like he's saying, all right, you're going to do something about it when I tell you? And he knows. He knows whether I'm going to do it or not. I'm like, all right. So then it gives me another chance to acknowledge the truth. That if I acknowledge the truth, uh, as they say in, uh, they say in uh, the real world, business begins to pick up with me and him again. All right, why don't you stand? Pray and go home.